Hey guys, this is uh, uh, C. Baxter Kruger. He's a... Uh... Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Southern gentleman. From the state of Mississippi. Mississippi. Yes, so this is a two-parter because uh, uh, Baxter is a fire hose. Uh, of, of life and light and revelation. We spent a whole lot of time walking through John. Yep. Uh, we talked about pain, the invitation to, to lean into to, uh, those painful places. Yep. Uh, we talked about the fallen mindset. Yes, so Baxter talked a lot about Jesus coming into our darkness and illuminating for us the things that we've believed about God. And one of the things I love about Baxter is that he is a storyteller. Yeah. So he really, yep. he he brings it back to just relatable stories and it's not all heady, yep. heady knowledge. But he's well read, he's, very he's, smart. he's incredibly smart. He's, he's read, I think everything at least five times. Probably. And uh, so, all right guys, Thanks. You're, you're gonna enjoy this. Everything's about intimacy ultimately. Everything is about um, our, our union. Everything is about this oneness. And, uh, one of the things that you shared for me has been uh, one of the foundational ways we've approached uh, life is uh, you're talking about the goodness of God. Like that's the foundational place for me. It, uh, where everything shifted was, was um, well, it was around the, the issue of desperation. And, and God had said to me that uh, he wasn't looking for a desperate son. Um, uh, and uh, that actually told me desperation was an illegal activity for me to participate in. But on the other s- that's really good. Yeah, yeah it, it was good. It was a it was a shift that one of the most powerful prayers I prayed outside of saying yes to when I was five was I. By the time the end of that conversation, I I told him uh, I would no longer interact with him based on uh, my needs. I would interact with him based on his love. And, um, and so it can be said a lot of different ways. I would no longer interact with him based on my perspective. I would, I would, I would, I would submit mine to his. You, you would see him through Jesus' eyes. You'd take sides with Jesus. Yes. To, to integrate what you're saying with what I was saying earlier, that's exactly the same thing. That's exactly right. And it was the greatest shift of my life and has, has brought me into um, probably the, the thing that I'm most passionate about right now. I'm writing a little bit on it. And I know when we talked briefly uh, a, a week ago that you mentioned that you were passionate about this as well, but it's it's the Lord's Prayer. And it's not the one that we know that we've been taught on earth as it is in heaven. Great prayer, but it's the one that Jesus prayed in John 17. And I, I pray that you would be one, that you would know this union, that, that the same union that I have with my father, where I'm moving from from his yes and in his yes and out of out of this oneness with him is, is available to you. And I'd love for you to speak to that. Oh, man. Um, the last verse of the, uh, the prayer, which is the context of the death of Jesus in John's gospel. Yeah. This whole chapter is, but particularly the last section and then the last verse. And Jesus, Jesus says, uh, he's, he's praying to the Father and he says, I have made you or your name known to them. I hear great joy in that. Father, I'm here. I'm inside the darkness. I'm inside the delusion. And I have made you known to them. And I will make you known that the love wherewith you love me may be in them and I in them. Now, that is the answer to Genesis 3.8. Yeah. Amen. That's that. That's what. That's the conversation that you heard the Father, Son, and Spirit having in Genesis three eight. Is Jesus says, "I'm going to go in, wow, and I take responsibility for my bride and her delusion, and I will find her." So my dad, 
who's graduated to the cloud of witnesses now, but he was uh, a lawyer and a judge and a retired brigadier general in the uh, National Guard. Uh, he was not used to being the kind of man who couldn't uh, communicate his point and expect it to be executed. Let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I walked with him as he began to lose his mind and lose his ability to communicate. And uh, I could tell he was, he was worried. And so I sat down with him one afternoon. I had a post-it note. I'd already written out this verse. And I'd written out, Father, I have made you known to Don Kruger. Mm. And I will make you known to him. I take responsibility for me finding him in his, his present darkness. And the reason I'm going to meet him there is not to give him information about you, but I'm going to meet him there and reveal that the love, yeah, not a love like it, but the very love with which you love me, wow. is going to take set up shop inside so he can know what I know in the midst of his darkness, in the midst of his losing his faculties. He can know what I know. And not only will the love be in him, but I will be in him as the anointed one in the Holy Spirit, as the creator and sustainer of all things. And that's the, that is the point of John's gospel. Mm. That's the point of the cross. That's the point of the incarnation. That's the entire story of the book coming through. Um, now, the power that Jesus sees in what we would call uh, the believing community or the, the church is that as we see this, as we experience the love that the father loves the son. And as Jesus is, um, as he is free more and more inside of our, our journeys and delusion to express himself and what he sees and how he sees it, then that's going to create, generate, uh, grow a sense of oneness between us. Wow. That we are family. Yeah. That, and, and that is what no secular philosophy or worldview yeah. can yeah. produce and that's what no religion can produce that's right and so this oneness now become this oneness that we're gradually experiencing in our own journeys this oneness becomes light wow. that that speaks to it speaks to what everybody on earth already knows which is i'm made for the best i am made for glory i cannot see it i cannot feel it i'm depressed yeah. i'm despairing yeah. but i can see it right there I can yeah. see it. And, and uh, I, I always go back to, to uh, I've been to Australia about 20 times. and I've got some great uh, mates there. Um, one year in particular, uh, we, I spoke at, in Sydney and Canberra and Adelaide, and there was some other place. It may have been, uh, I, I, anyway. But in, in all of the places that we went, my buddies were mates were there. They were sitting on the front row. And and the Australians, I just love them. I mean, they 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 would flash uh, messages to me during the middle of my lecture or sermon, <laughs> and some some of which will remain completely uh, unsealed until the great day. But uh, anyway, in all three different places, uh, more than one woman, but at least one or two women would come up to me after the sessions were over and said, Baxter. I absolutely loved what you said, but she said, I couldn't take my eyes off of the way you and your mates love it. Obviously love each other. Cause y'all give each other crap the whole time. Right. But she said, she said, but who doesn't want to be part of something like that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and all of these different women said, that is your message. 
That is your message. Your message is not theological accuracy, though we hope we're portraying. Your message is relationship in life. Yes, and that's good. Yes. You like it, and it shines, and it's a better argument than anything. Yeah, I said, yeah, that's John seventeen. That's yeah. what Jesus is saying. I'm, I'm, I, and Jesus, and I just, I, so I wrote that note to my dad, and I, I put it by the, the bath in the bathroom, and I put it by his bed, and I said, I said, Dad, I said you have heard all of your life that this was about your faith. You don't have you don't have much faith now. Mm. This ain't about this is not about your faith. This is about the promise of Jesus to his father. Yeah. I have made you known and I wow. take responsibility for making you known a non creature. I said, Dad, that's what you hold on to. The good shepherd, the good shepherd is good and you're yes. sheep and he, he he doesn't do abandonment because his father doesn't do abandonment, neither mm. does the Holy Spirit. Wow. So in, in that context, uh, you understand uh, the real purpose and mission of Jesus, the real purpose of creation, and you understand implicitly the attack of evil. Right. The, atta- the attack of evil one is to destroy our minds so that we cannot see that Jesus. And this is this is where John fourteen twenty, which is my favorite verse in John, hmm. in John fourteen twenty seventeen twenty six, and my second favorite verse. This is where they come together, because the gospel Jesus is telling his disciples. In the day of the Spirit, you're going to know that I am in my Father. Yeah. And that you are in me. Yes. And that, I, that I am in you. So the strategy of the evil one is to take those three unions off the, the theological and off the personal playground of Christian people. So that when we, when we think of Jesus... We don't instantly think of his one indivisible oneness with the Father and Spirit. We just think of it as an individual. And we've yeah. done it. We've got a whole view of atonement that separates the Father and the Son to begin with. Yeah, so, that's right. And, and when we when we think of the, of the Jesus, even if we see that he has a great relation with the Father, we don't see ourselves in that relationship. So mm-hmm. it leaves us with hooray for Jesus. You know, yeah. he made it, you know, but what about us? So that's, that's religion again. Okay, so this is how you get to Jesus. And then so we never, ever look for Jesus. And this is Aiden's journey and my journey. You never, ever look for Jesus inside your own darkness. Because, and so, the, but Jesus said, I, I know what the game is. I know the problem. I know how to defeat the evil one. And I take responsibility for meeting you inside your delusion and revealing the truth to you and being your shepherd and helping you learn to walk, to learn, to believe it, to learn to believe it and experience it. Wow. These things have been written. These things I have written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that in believing, and by Messiah, Son of God, he's not saying that he's the Lone Ranger. He's saying, I've written this so that you can see yourself Mm. in Jesus, in the Father, and Jesus in you. And when you see that, you will begin to experience a life that was this inconceivable to you in your darkness. Keep going. Don't stop. That's really good. You know, one of the things, Baxter, that that I hear you talking about that, and we did speak with, you know, Paul Young was our first interviewer, one of our first interviews, and it was, he was just phenomenal. We had so much fun getting to talk to him. Yeah, he's a great one. Paul Young is is the living sacrament of of Papa. Yeah. 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 (laughs) He really is. You know, one of the things that we talked to him about and that you're talking about is this idea of, and and Jason and I have been wrestling with this and, and just kind of talking to people about it too, is this idea of, you know, we were included, but there's also 
there's also pain, right? There's also this thing where because we live in a world that that's full of brokenness, we we sometimes have to experience pain. <laughs> it's it's part of what happens. And so what I what I was hearing you talk there is and tell me if I'm wrong, but you you were saying that you felt like God was asking you to you know, what what was the terminology? Will you are you willing to face pain? Um now, if for the listeners that are interested, uh, I've got a book uh, called Across All Worlds, Jesus Inside Our Darkness, mm. where I, I'm exploring this much more uh, carefully than we can cover in, in a short piece. But mm. I would say that that it's impossible for us to walk with Jesus and not feel pain. You, if you just think about this, it's impossible for you to wake up in the middle of the night and turn the light on and it not hurt your eyes. Um and I, I like to talk in this context about Peter in the boat with Jesus in Luke's gospel, mm-hmm. um, where Jesus says, cast over there. And he saw, uh, you know, I, we fished all night. We hadn't caught anything. Of course, he's fishing in the daytime now uh, in the light. <laughs> uh, but but he, um, he, Peter says, but Lord, if you if you say, I'll do it, what you say. So he casts over, catches all these fish. And I'm a fisherman, and I, I mean, my first reaction to that is, hey, Jesus, uh, can we do this tomorrow? Uh, <laughs> it, it won't take but an hour, then we can do whatever you want to go do. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's a business deal. Um, I, I have been intrigued with Peter's response mm. because his response was, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it, Jesus didn't preach the law to him. He didn't say anything but tell him where to cast. Yeah. Right. But it, it's, it's the proximity. It's the it's the proximity, our proximity to glory, mm. that re, that reveals our darkness, and it hurts. And the reason Jesus is the good shepherd is he knows just how far to take us, yeah. mm. so that it doesn't annihilate us. But there's no way that uh, I I was talking to uh, this morning another interview, and, and they asked me about hell, and. <laughs> I, I said, I said, what thought experiment? What if we're in hell right now? Uh-huh. Wow. What, what, what if all you got to do to see weeping is gnashing and steep is go to Walmart or go, yeah. go park, you know, and get ready to turn left at the local uh, um, intersection and just watch people's expressions. Yeah. What, what if Jesus has found us in our darkness and yes. in our weeping and gnashing and teeth is saying, follow me, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lead you out of this mess. Yeah. And, and we're saying, no, 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 you, you can't be who you say you are because it, but, uh, he's inside of our delusion. Mm. And he's asking us to walk with him mm. and to take sides with him against, not not against our minds. He's saying, use the mind that I gave you to participate in my knowing. That's yeah. so good. Um, so there's no way we can do that without pain. But it's there's no way we can do it without glory. And that's huh. it seems to me like much of American Christianity is, I'm going to promise you the experience of glory without any suffering. I just like that just does not that that rules out Jesus. Yeah. It rules out all of his apostles. Yeah. I mean, where is it in the apostle Paul that you find him arriving at a place where he's not suffering? Yeah. I mean, it, it's so the liberation is it, it and George MacDonald, he he in his book on Un, uh, uncreated uh, unspoken sermons. Yeah which is the uh, the American edition edited by Roland Hahn. And if you don't know that book, go get it and read it a dozen times. But <laughs> George MacDonald, it just has, I mean, I bet you two-thirds of that book is underlined starred. 
I just wow. uh, you could you could randomly open it to any page and find a, a, a gem like this. Um, he says, "Good souls, many will one day be horrified at the things they now believe of God." Hmm. Yeah. And in another another place, he says, "God is not bound to punish sin; God is bound to destroy it." Yes. Mm. Mm. And all all darkness in us he is bound to destroy so that we will be light and and that destructive is redemption it's our salvation yeah. saving us from ourselves and it hurts like hell it's not easy yeah um it, and but at the same time he never leaves us his presence is stirring it up mm-hmm. in order to in order for us to want to get rid of it yeah mm. And so it's both glory and affliction. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. I reckon that our present momentary light afflictions, as he calls right. them, right. but are, are, not, are unworthy. Or un, they can't stand in the same room with the glory that's being revealed in us. Yeah, I love what you're saying. Maybe the other thing I would, I would add to that is that, that when you're willing to, to face pain and delusion, transformation in life and freedom are always the fruit. I, I'll use this uh, this uh, biblical example. I, I remember when I first saw this is Abraham takes Isaac up a mountain and in, in Abraham's um, paradigm, uh, worship or devotion, uh, if you were going to look in the dictionary definition of, of what that would look like, it was going to look like child sacrifice. Right. And so he lived, on, he lived under the context of this delusion. This was not God, but that was the paradigm he lived in. And God being a, a good God... Um, I mean, if you can think about Abraham daily waking up under, under the neurosis of, of this type of question he knew was going to come, are you, are you going to be able to, to express your faith or your worship mm. or devotion in such um, the most uh, impacting way to, to take your own child and sacrifice him? So God invites Abraham. If you read it one way, it says it's like it's God's idea, but it was Abraham's delusion. Right. And so God invites Abraham into the heart of his delusion, which is, I can't imagine the pain. And yet in the heart of the delusion is when Abraham gets a better revelation of what God is really like. And, and everyone is set free from that point on. Right. You know, you and I, I've never woke up wondering if today's the day I have to sacrifice my kid. Thankfully, Abraham settled that because he was willing to go into the heart of the delusion mm. uh, by faith, a faith God gave him that we hear about in Hebrews later, believing that God could raise the dead even. And, and I think that's what you're saying. And I think that's the, if I mean, to me, some of that, that has been my pain, the willingness to go into a foundational thought I believe about God and then be wrong about him, so gloriously wrong about him and set free in the midst of that delusion and then, and then transformed. And everyone around me transformed, and my and my kids transformed. Is that is that partly what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's God meets us in our delusion, and He walks us through, and He and he, he intends it to be an existential crisis for us, through which He's going to teach us a new name for Him. All right, yeah. now, I'm not like, I'm not like the gods of. That's beautiful. Uh, so I won't give you a new name now. Now now you're listening, so you can call me Jehovah Jireh. I am the one who provides here and. Uh, wow. I, I, in the context of North America, we were talking earlier about being in the Bible Belt, a buckle in the Bible Belt, but, but North America religion, uh, I just wish we would go park for maybe a year in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 when the covenant is being established. Yeah. Because when God actually makes the covenant with Abraham, 
Abraham is asleep. Mm. Wow. But because because from the very beginning, what the Lord is saying is, Abraham, I know you think this is a contract. And if you do your part and you get it perfect and I do my part, then, but I'm going to tell you the way this thing works is I have a lamb. I have a son and we're going to take up both sides of this relationship. So this is why the apostle John puts the cleansing of the temple story first and not last is he's saying, Oh my gosh, I see it. You have, you have all through Israel's history, Yahweh, and Israel, and you got the mediators in the middle. Mm. And and again and again and again, the mediators are leading the people astray. And and all of a sudden he says, it's not Yahweh and Israel, it's Father. And now the Son is on Israel's side of the relationship, and he's entering the temple. Wow. And, and what does he do? He cleans house. Right. And, and he doesn't leave it empty. He fills it with his zeal for his father. So John is like, I can't even talk about the Trinity. I don't know what that means, but I'm watching the, the eternal life of the Father, Son, and Spirit descend inside mm. of the covenant relationship between Yahweh on the one side and failed Israel on the other. And it's being filled up with the life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wow. And Jesus is the new the place of the new temple. He's heaven's gate. He's the place where all this meets. And John's just pulling out his hair. You know, I, just, I think about how, how much fun he must have had writing that story because here here are the Pharisees, and they know the word of God backwards and forwards. Right. Why, what way do you do this scene that you think? And Jesus says, he tells them, he tells them, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. It took 46 years to build our beloved temple. What do you mean? <laughs> Who are you, whippersnapper from Galilee? You know, it's like, and, 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 and John, just a little bit glances, he was talking about the temple of his body because mm. he is the temple where God and humanity in their brokenness meet and everything yeah. is worked out. Wow. He's the mercy seat. <laughs> It's just like, oh my gosh, and this is chapter one. I mean, chapter two. <laughs> my yeah. goodness me. Huh? Wow. It takes me 10, 10 years to teach through John, but he's seeing that all the way through. Wow. And and when it says in John 8, when Jesus says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. Hmm. But <laughs> when did Abraham see the day of Jesus? Hmm. I think he saw the day of Jesus on that mountain. Wow. Wow. And I think he saw the day of Jesus in, when the covenant was cut. Yeah. And I think he saw he saw Jesus in uh, uh, on the Oaks of Mamre where the three yeah. apparent yeah. men, apparent angels, apparent lords, Yahweh's, showed up and had a conversation with him. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, and, and Margaret Barker, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of her, but she's a, a genius uh uh, Hebrew Bible intertestamental period scholar out of England. Uh, she's written a bunch of books of the high priest, the, the king of the Jews, the revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, the great angel, the gate of heaven. I mean, it's a bunch of books. But but her thesis, and I don't want to butcher it, but it's it's been extremely meaningful to me, is that she says that, that what you have in the Old Testament is you have really uh, what I'll generalize is the Abrahamic covenant relationship, mm. which was about knowing God present, not absent, mm. wow. walking with God in person wow. and and in the spirit. And that the uh, the destruction of the first temple came because that the leadership rejected the Holy Spirit. They didn't want anything to do with with walking with God. Mm. God's up there. It's just the birth of Phariseeism. We're going we're going to stick with Moses in the book. Mm. Wow. Although, although in Moses in the book he talks about seventy elders going up on the mountain and, and having supper with God, with Yahweh, 
But but the the, the point is that, that from the very beginning, Adam and Eve are, are represented um, as they were created in the image of likeness. And what the image and likeness means is not that they possessed something in their independence from God. It means that as they turned face to face with the Father, Son, and Spirit, they they were transfigured in their experience and they became divine and human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a pre it was a, it was a pre incarnate yeah. Uh, yeah. pre ascension kind of figuring there. So when they turned from the Lord, they became self referential. They became um, uh, in, independent they thought only from themselves and not in conversation not in union so they lost their transfigured experience and that was what was being recreated in the first temple is the high priest would go into the holy of holies mm. and he would go in as a representative of, of yahweh of israel but in the midst of that he was transformed into yahweh himself and he came out as yahweh and blessed the people with the benediction wow and that was prefiguring both the the in the incarnation and and also the ascension mm. and prefiguring the mercy seat mm. and prefiguring what what John uh, what, what we call the heaven's gate that that Jesus is the place where everything that God is and all of God's life meets everything that we are in our brokenness and he meets us there in in everlasting mercy and so now he is the new temple mm. where God and humanity meet and wow. he is the, he is the the um the heaven's gate and he is the mercy seat and he is the place uh, of union. And that's, I think that's what John sees and that that's what's uh, filling his gospel wow. uh, at every turn. Wow. And he's got all these characters that he's trying to, that Jesus is trying to help see them. And, and John uses these conversations to help us re- reflect and think about this. Well, how in the world could Nicodemus that Jesus calls not only a teacher of Israel, but the teacher of Israel, how could he not know about the need for the Holy Spirit? Right, right. Yeah, what what you, what game you got going here, Nicodemus? Mm-hmm. You you can't you can't get there from where you are. That's good. That, that's the whole point. Yeah. Wow. You cannot get there. There is no road from where you are yeah. to where to union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's why I'm here, Nicodemus. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. come to be the way. Wow. I've come to be your new birth. I've come to be one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, and you don't even know about these things. Wow. How can you how can you believe uh, heavenly things when you can't even understand earthly analogy? And your love is revival. Hey guys, I'm interrupting this podcast for just a minute so I can invite you to partner with us by giving to a family story. A family story is a 501, a nonprofit, and it's our ministry. And it's what allows for me to produce this podcast and other regular content. We've been living this faith journey for a long time, but 2014 was when we officially stepped away from the traditional pastoring approach to full-time ministry. It's been fun. This journey has been wild. And this last year was no less faith-inducing with COVID affecting travel and speaking. And it's been good because, hey, we started a podcast. Our passion is to create content catalytic for an encounter with the always good, transforming, reconciling love of our Heavenly Father. And so our heart through this ministry has always been that through speaking, writing, film, and music, we're relentlessly sharing the goodness of our Father, the good news. Your giving goes directly to support this podcast, as well as written content, discipleship content, teaching small group messages, articles that we release weekly, 
and also the book I'm writing. I'm excited about what I'm chasing down right now. We appreciate all the support, whether it's sharing, writing a review, following us, signing up for our email list, or financially. We just love being on the journey with you. If you want to give to A Family Story, you can go to afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org, and click on the Give button. All right, thanks, guys. Let's get back to the podcast. Baxter, what what would you say in regards to people that are, you know, maybe they're jiving with what we're talking about, they're they're really engaging with it, but one of the questions they have is how do how do we do this practically? Like what does this actually look like? Can do you have any thoughts in regards to what what it's practically look like in your life? Absolutely. Um we're Americans, and so we want to franchise this. We want to turn it into McDonald's. We want, we want nine things to go and do to look like you know what the kingdom is. That's not how this works. That's right. It's best, it's best to tell a couple of stories. Mm. Um, my son and I were playing golf a year ago, so, and with three of my friends, and we were on the fourth tee, which is in, in our neighborhood. It's our, I, we don't live on a golf course, but we're in the neighborhood. Of one. And so we were just standing there because there were people on the, first, on the fourth green, par three, and and I looked over their houses everywhere, and I saw smoke rising and fast. And I said, "Son, that's a house. That's not somebody burning leaves." And so we jumped in the golf cart, and, and David is another guy that was with us. It went flying over there, and sure enough, when we got uh, to the house, the the garage was fully inflamed, and there was a car inside. And I just thought, "Man, this is this is toast." Well, this woman comes running out of the house, screaming about her dog, and said she was in the backyard. My son and, and David, my son's six five and David's I don't know he's five five ten or something, but uh, they went flying around and I saw them both scale six foot tents and come out the other side around the back of the house with the dog. Brought it to the lady who was in shock. She said, "There's a dog in the house too," and of course my son, being military trained, uh, he he started. I said, "I said no, we can hear the fire truck. They're almost here, son." I said, "It's no point in you risking your life for a dog if they can rescue you once they get water." Anyway, they put they pulled up, <laughs> and this guy jumps out, and he's already got his, his outfit on. He pulls his mask down. He turns on his oxygen, grabs a hose, and he goes pulling it across the yard. The other guys are not even out of the truck yet. Wow. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you need to you need to be spraying the houses down around this house because this one's gone. Right. And, and I watched this young man, five eight. <laughs> And the hose was almost, in fact, in fact a, a regular civilian ran out there and grabbed the hose and pulled it behind him so he wasn't fighting the hose. And he hit the nozzle on that thing and he walked up into that fire. Now, I was praying that the car didn't blow up. Right. But I watched, I mean, I, I just sat there watching. We were all mesmerized. And I thought, and this, in my mind, I heard, uh, I, I, I have seen this passion before. Hmm. I did not create you to perish. I am prepared to lay down my life. <laughs> I and and I'm watching a young man embody the trinitarian life of God, even the wrath of God, the the passion mm. opposition to our destruction. Yeah. And he walks up there at the risk of his own life and he single-handedly puts that fire out. Wow. And I watched that and I thought, "Man." So people ask me, "What do we do now? How do we apply?" I'm like, "You open your eyes." Mm. Because this guy puts fire out. He goes down, sits down, spent. Somebody gives him a water. And I'm thinking, and I literally prayed. 
I said, please, Lord Jesus, don't let any well-meaning Christian go over to that young man mm -hmm. and ask him if he's gotten saved yet and if he's prayed to receive Jesus into his heart. <laughs> I said, that's the spiritual blindness that we're in. Yeah. We're not in the position, therefore, to even make an, a statement about what we should go and do. Yeah. The question the question of the current Christian movement in, in the United States is, Jesus, would you please show me what is mm -hmm. so I'm not working against you? Yeah. I want to see people the way you see people i want to see the expression of the trinitarian life everywhere and then i'm free to respond to that that's good and i don't know where that's going to lead yeah that may lead into a new relationship between me and that young man yeah. i i don't know where it's going to lead so how can i tell you what your life yeah. is going to look like tomorrow yeah, yeah. so there, there's a real sense in which what we should do right now is is park our kingdom butts mm -hmm. And say, Jesus, I can't bring in something that's already here. Yeah, Oof, that's good. And I don't, I, and I don't want to delude people into thinking that I know. And let's go do it this way. No, you're here. You're not absent. That's right. Yeah. And you brought your Father and Holy Spirit with you. I want to see what you see, and then I'll respond. That's it. And I, and we get to be more like little children. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told me twelve years ago, or or twenty years ago that I was going to end up traveling the world, meeting all kinds of great people, meet people like Paul Young and folks. And, and I would have thought you're crazy. I said, I don't even, I don't even have anybody hired mm. in our ministry to do the marketing. <laughs> and it, even if we would have prayed for 15 years about this, we would have never come up with what has actually happened. Yeah. yeah. And I hadn't, and I haven't done anything. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, this, so w before we get into the, to the Americanized version of this is what the kingdom is. This is how we, you know, let's just Lord, Let's be still. Yeah. Let's pray through the Lord's prayer. I want to see you, Abba, everywhere. Amen. This is this is your creation, Jesus. You're in it. You always have been in it. The world doesn't know you, and therefore they're creating kingdoms on their own terms. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want a kingdom on my own terms. I mm -hmm. want to participate in what you're doing. And that may mean today that I put in a new fence for my neighbor right. across the way. Since broke, yeah, <laughs> and they can't—they don't have the wherewithal to do it. So I call my buddy Morgan, and I call my buddy Steve, and I say, "Hey, meet me at six o'clock, uh, <laughs> and bring some tools because we're gonna fix this fence this late because she can't do it." That's it. And I guarantee you, the three of us will have more fun doing that. Yeah. And never once trying to think about, you know, glorifying God in or doing it, and yeah. we are participating. Yeah. yeah. This is what the Father, Son, and Spirit is saying. How many times are you going to pass that fence, Baxter? Yeah. And just be frustrated. Nobody fixed it when I'm sharing my burden with you for that fence. I'm putting it inside of you. You walk around ignoring it, and you're trying to go over here and do something for the kingdom. It's like <laughs> I think, Baxter, I think you know, I think you know Kenneth Tanner. Oh, yeah. Kenneth Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> That's his real name, Kenneth Wayne. And, he grew up in Florida, and they call him Kenny Wayne down there. <laughs> <laughs> he talks that he talks about this idea of uh, being careful to always making things practical, or or that not being your first response all the time because you might miss something deeper that's going on. And that's what I'm hearing of what you're saying. It's not that practicality is a bad thing, but sometimes it shouldn't always be. You know, how do we make this a five-step plan? I don't know. I don't know that it ever should be that because if you read uh, Jesus, the way he lived his life, he only did what he saw his father doing. That's yeah. right. He didn't open his mouth and his legs the same with what he heard from the father. Yeah. Again and again and again. That's all he did. That's the way he lived his life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't go up. You know, he 
uh, Lazarus, your friend that's on his deathbed. Oh, so Jesus did the normal thing. Right. He waited two more days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what, what, what do you, what, what do you, and you look at that story of, of the transforming of the water into wine and you, you know, Jesus is there and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she, she said, Jesus, they have no wine. And his first response was, uh, this, this has not got anything to do with the kingdom. Mom, this is not, my time is not, but you kind of get the feeling that like 10 seconds later, he heard from the father and, <laughs> and, and it's like the father said, Hey, Jesus, this is Mary. This is the only person in history that said yes to yeah, us. Yeah, we we're going to honor her here. So, so wow. not only turn, not only give them some wine. Let's do it Bring right. out the good. Bring out the good stuff. Yeah, let's do it right. Yeah. So so I I'm just like I don't want to miss the conversations. I don't want to miss the nuances. I don't want to miss. Uh, and I ha I have spent my life trying to be a christian yeah and mm -hmm. how how much have i missed it's exhausting how, yeah. just like come on man <laughs> yeah. i'm like I, I get to be i'm like paul young now he says it took me 50 something years to be a child i'm not going back to yeah, be that's so good that's an so adult good. that you, whatever you mean by kingdom whatever people mean by what do we do next it cannot it has to begin on the assumption that jesus is fully present in his father in the holy spirit mm -hmm on earth right now yeah so it's all about discovering what they are doing present in their creation and there is no sacred secular divide they don't think like that yeah i love yeah. that so you look you look to the fireman you look to the guy that runs the chevron station you look to the guy yeah i mean that that takes the louvelle you know milk and delivers it to the school every day um yeah you, you just don't you, you start seeing this is exactly what jesus promised yeah it's, it's so exactly good. you take if you take sides of me you will never ever be caught in the darkness you will see mm. the light of life you will see what's really going on, on this planet and you will be thrilled and you'll be set free by it and and sometimes it's going to hurt because you really are knotted up but it's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna liberate you oh. um, that's so good and it, it, it embarrasses it you know there, there are many of us that have spent our entire life trying to get in mm. yeah and I, I know a lot of people that are very proud of the fact that they think they did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but I, know, but I know more people that are that are secretly despairing because they know that whatever they were supposed to do to get from outside to inside, it's never enough. Uh, they, they, they're incapable of doing yeah, it right. Yeah. And they may have done it. They may have done it right for a little while on, you know, back in 1976. Yeah. But they, uh, so it, this is the stage is being set for a revolution that will just steal away uh, the secularist vision that's trying to be imposed upon America and the religionist vision that's trying to be imposed on America. So people are going to go, oh my gosh, how blind was I? <laughs> I spent my life trying to create a kingdom that was already here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, trying to reach something that's already within me. Yeah. Amen. We had lots of questions, but we got to some. I, I'm going to shift gears and ask you some fun questions because we've had you for almost... We're going on two hours. All right. but let me ask you a few fun questions because we call this Rethinking God with Tacos. And we talked about um, eating uh, crawfish. Uh, crawfish. Crawfish tacos sound like a good, good, good. <laughs> that was going to be my question. That was my question. You, 
You ever, you have, what's your taco, man? Crawfish taco? <laughs> I, I have never even thought about that till today, but that's going to be something that we do. Uh, I guarantee I can see it right now. I think it, it, I make a crawfish sauce. So we yeah. just put some crawfish in there, a little lettuce, a little sauteed Ooh. onions, and that sauce on top of it. And poof, poof, oh, man. man. But, oh, uh, man. Typically, I, I have a, a, a little Mexican restaurant down the road, and uh, here, most tacos are ground beef. Uh -huh. mm. yeah. And I always tell them, I said, no, we're going to start over. Yeah. I want cr crunchy corn tortillas. Yeah. I want fried steak, <laughs> seasoned steak, yeah. caramelized onions, a little bit of guacamole, lettuce, and some cheese on top. I hear, mm. the, I hear the passion. I love it. That sounds delicious. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> right. I'm teaching them about that. They, they'll make it for me, but it's not on their menu. And they're like, well, I don't know what to charge us. Go talk to your boss and put it on the menu because nobody's going to eat a ground beef taco. Yeah. My goodness. I don't do ground beef tacos either. What about, uh, uh, we could go through a few things. Are you a movie guy? Do you watch film, TV? I do. Uh, I like uh, History Channel, uh, probably best of all, and sports. But uh, my favorite current show, hands down, I even got me a T-shirt, is The Curse of Oak Island. Ah. I, just, I just love that. I love the mystery. Yeah. You know, I, and um, I, I really enjoyed watching it and frustrated with them at the same time because it, like, like the fishing shows, they'll take uh, something that could be told in 10 minutes and then move on to right. something else. Mm -hmm. and so they'll stretch that thing out with commercials. And, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's my favorite TV show right now. All right. Uh, all right. But it just went off. It just went off. Um, its season just ended. So we're all in suspense as to whether or not they're going to spend $150 million and come back and go at this thing again. <laughs> <laughs> what up? Uh... What books are you reading? Oh, man. Oh, I'm reading Alan Culpepper's book on John. Uh, I am reading, I, I read several books at one time, mind you. Um, I am reading um, David uh, Ons or Ann's, uh He's got a three-volume commentary on the book of Revelation. I'm reading, reading the first, hmm. uh, reading what he's got to say about the first chapter in that. Uh, and I'm reading, uh, rereading, um, uh, the, um, the King of the Jews, which is Mark Barker's commentary or as, as such on, uh, yeah. the, the gospel of John. And then I've got a whole slew of books that my favorite writer at the moment is a guy that, by the name of Daniel Boyerin. He is a Jewish Bible scholar. Uh, he does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but he is one of the best New Testament uh, writers that I've read in a long time, and I thoroughly enjoy him. He, he, I got an article that he uh, wrote in the Harvard Theological Review a few years ago called uh, "They Get This." It's just, when I saw the title of this, I about came unglued. I thought this is the Gospel of the Memra. Now, uh, the Jewish binitarianism and the Prologue of John. Now, Mimra is the is the Aramaic word for word. Mm. So the gospel of the Aramaic word, which is rooted in the Old Testament uh, of the Hebrew Bible, it's, it's, it's so, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Jewish voluntarianism? <laughs> What's God talking? So, man, so that's a whole world of research yeah. and articles and stuff. And I'm just, I'm just, if you could see my desk, um, 
It's a U-shaped slap full of books and papers, uh, different themes in, in different areas. And then I finally went and bought a, a huge library cart, double-sided. Oh, nice. Three, three layers. So, because my the rest of my office, my sanctuary is floor-to-ceiling bookcases. They're all full. So yeah, yeah. I, I can roll this thing up behind me, and I'm like surrounded by the great. <laughs> and I'm never far from T.F. Torrance or Carl Bart. Oh yeah. Okay. So it, I dip into them all the time. So. Um, and I just finished a book that I wrote a review, I wrote the forward for called, um, Jesus, unexpected, unexpected Jesus hmm. by Keith, uh, Giles, I believe is the last name. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, it's a short book, which I thought was anybody that knows it, it writes knows that shorter books are harder to write, but he is basically, uh, taking on the left behind, uh, sort of rapture pre sure, uh-huh, sure yeah that's right and uh, he's a he's more in the preterist tradition um but what i see in him that i don't see in most of what i read in the preterist, preterist or preterist however you want to say that uh, tradition is uh he understands that jesus is here now yeah mm-hmm. and he understands union and he's beginning to think through eschatology from that perspective yeah. mm, that's important uh, yeah, and I'm thinking now we're getting somewhere. If you combine the the preterist outlook with the Trinitarian vision of Jesus as uniting himself with the whole of the human race, taking us down, lifting us up in his resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he's returned to us in our darkness. Now you got a conversation. Mm. So I think that, that Keith is in the, in the middle, of, it seems like, um, middle of work, working through that so that's pretty that is cool. that's amazing yeah. that's really cool since we're uh since we're geeking out on 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 books do you do you find richard bockham's work helpful when it comes to revelation and john or or not so much i i would i would say i've read everything richard Bockham has written i think uh at least every, every book and article that i can get my hands on he's one of my favorites uh i also like larry hurtardo mm-hmm. um and uh, those are my go-to New Testament. I'm so thankful. I wanted to send them a corporate email and just say, I want to thank you <laughs> for, for delivering New Testament study from the Germanic yeah. Babylonian captivity of rationalism and just in otherwise insanity um, that I love. As a matter of fact, on my cart that I was telling you about, my library cart is all of Margaret Barker, all of Larry Hurtado, and all of Richard Balcom. Oh, cool. And it, his stuff on uh, the book of Revelation, the theology of Revelation, and his book, apart from his stuff on the authorship of John, which, uh, you know, I know the scholar, I, mean, I grew up with lawyers, so it's important that you argue. Mm-hmm. So the lawyers and scholars have to argue about stuff, but um, <laughs> I, I just don't see uh, why it's necessary at all to, you know, so easily throw John, the son of Zebedee, under the bus. I don't don't really I don't really get their arguments. I get them. I read them. I understand them. But I'm like, it's it's just a, a, a straining. I think. Sure. But, yeah. But apart apart from that, um, that's um, I love. Uh, I just I really have a great affection for those two gentlemen. So I I thoroughly have enjoyed. It's been a great, uh, fun thing for me to read. And I've also been reading in the last year, um, uh, Michael Heiser's work on um. The Unseen Realm and Angels, and he's got three or four books, um, and more of the Old Testament thing. But Margaret Barker is the one in the Old Testament that's just, golly, she's she's just rocking, man. I mean, 
I appreciate her because she's read everything and she doesn't have to color inside <laughs> certain certain lines. You know, she just puts it out there. Wow. Where can people find your stuff, Baxter? Um, we have over 300 hours of teaching on our website, perrycreases.org. If you can't spell that, just look up Baxter Kruger and follow the mother, the mothership. But um, I got nine books, three very short ones. Uh, and then they get a little bit longer, and then up to the more recent stuff of Shaq Revisited and my new latest book, uh, Patmos. And I'm working on the, the sequel to that. Cool. Um, that's awesome. And there's a ton of stuff on YouTube that's just. Um, yeah. Um, and then there's also uh, a website called Trinity Flicks. T R I N I T Y F L I X. That is going to be. Um, there's a lot of stuff on there that I've done that's not available anywhere. Uh, okay. But w- where we're going with that is down the road, uh, John Crowder and Paul Young and Brad Jerzak and me and a bunch of others, Katie Scourger, will have stuff on there and you will pay just a, like $10 a month and you can go in and sure. just have a field day. Um, that's uh, awesome. So that's in the works. It's available now. You can you can go on there and see and, and, and purchase some of those. But there's one series on there called that I did. It's a 10 part series called introducing the Trinitarian faith. And, uh, mm. it, that's a video series. It's really, uh, very, very well. It's a, it's a great interview that David Peck did with me that I, I, we've, I've known David for 25 years. And, um, but that series is, is, uh, we're starting to use that as a, um, like, uh, you sign up and we do a 10, 10 uh, week course and, you get one of the videos, you watch the videos, you make notes and questions, and then we'll do a live a Zoom conference together. We're going to be doing that in England, in UK, and Europe uh, in June. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that when we put this out, I'll make sure that the, all the, those details are on there as well so people can get them. But, Perfect. But, but um, This has been great. I'm, I'm so grateful for you. Thankful uh, that we could talk with you, man. Man, this has been a privilege, brothers. We we have been given a very rare and wonderful opportunity to bear witness to the real Jesus. And I say, mm. um, in the words of my hairstylist, <laughs> serious, this is this is this is the kingdom. She was talking about something else. She looked at me. Uh, it was it was my last uh, daughter, last child's wedding. And she looked at me and she said, finish strong, Baxter. Yeah. And when she said it, man, it about knocked me out of the chair. I thought, girl, you're saying way more than you know. And yeah. she, <laughs> I, that's, that's it. I, we're at an age now where, okay, what are we going to do with the rest of our life? We're going to finish strong. Amen. <laughs> and that may mean building a swing set for your grandchildren. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it encouraged. Uh, We had a lot of fun making it. If you guys want to subscribe to this podcast, please do. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All of them. Anywhere you might listen to podcasts. Leave a review. Leave a review. Also, if you want to follow us on uh, social media, um, you can go uh, to, uh, I know this man has a Twitter account. Uh, We both do. Um, and if you want to find us uh, online, we're at afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org. Also, you can reach me there if you want to get a hold of us for any reason at uh, jason at afamilystory.org. We're excited that you guys are on this journey with us, and we look forward to releasing more content. Yeah, thanks. See you.